All right, well, good morning. Please take your Bibles and open it up to uh, the book of Philemon. Uh, Philemon, it is just um, after Titus and Timothy, or just after Timothy and Titus, and just before Hebrews. Um, So near the end of your Bible, and if you can't find it, just look at the table of contents as well. It is there. It's just a little letter. It's the shortest letter that Paul wrote of 13 letters. And over the next three Sundays, we're going to look at that together. So Philemon um, chapter 1, because it's the only chapter. (laughs) Um, Let me read God's Word, and then we are going to pray together. Philemon verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this letter. I pray that you would help us as we go through this letter. Lord, help us to see Christ. Lord, in our relationships, there's many things that fail, but we thank you that you never change and you never fail. And so I pray as your word is preached and as it is listened to, Lord, speak to us, please, we ask. May we not waste this time. May these few minutes be precious to us. In your name, amen. Why does Paul write this letter. Paul writes four letters to individuals, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And this letter is the shortest letter that he writes to Philemon. And he writes to Philemon because Philemon has a relationship that needs to be restored. Philemon is in a broken relationship, and he needs that broken relationship to be restored. And what Paul is going to do is Paul is going to come in as the peacemaker, and he's going to try and reconcile this broken relationship. And so as Paul tries to reconcile this broken relationship, what we're going to look at this morning is the foundation that we need to help fix our broken relationships. And this world is a world that is full of broken relationships. Every single relationship that we have, every single relationship that we have is tainted in some way. In some way, every relationship that we have is broken. 
Why? Because of the fall back in the garden. When Adam and Eve were in the garden pre-fall, everything was perfect. Their relationship was good. There was no fighting. (laughs) Can you imagine that? No fighting. There was a husband and a wife in the garden, and for a moment, there was no fighting until the fall. And when the fall came in, when the fall happened, when they turned against God and His will, broken relationships came. And so in some way, all our relationships are broken. And especially in this country, what they have noticed is that in Ireland, our relationships are especially broken. In 2020, the divorce rate increased by one-third. And you think, okay, well, 2020, the divorce rate increased by one-third. That must be due to the pandemic, of course. You might think that because, you know, everybody's spending loads of time together fighting, all this kind of stuff. So maybe that's why the divorce rate increased by a third. That's a lot in one year. But the reason it increased is because what they did was they reduced the separation limit. So if you were to get divorced in Ireland, out of five years, you needed to be separated four. Now they've reduced it down to two. So the divorce rate increased in 2020, and it's probably increased in 2021, and it's probably going to increase again this year. That is what they reckon, because now it is more accessible. And what we realize in our relationships is that we have broken relationships. And we need a foundation that helps restore those relationships. And so that's why Paul is going to write to Philemon. He wants this relationship that he has to be restored back again. And the relationship that's broken for Philemon is the relationship between Philemon and one of his slaves, Onesimus. Now, Philemon was a Christian. Philemon let people meet in his home at Colossae. They let people meet there. He was probably a leader in the church. Philemon was probably a leader in the church, and Philemon did have slaves. Now, back then, we'll talk a bit more about that, but back then, you might have workers in the home, and it was socially acceptable, and Christians were due to treat those guys well in the home. And so he had this guy, Onesimus. Well, Onesimus did something to Philemon. We don't know exactly what he did to Philemon, but we think that he might have maybe stole something from him or did something to him, and he ran away. Well, what happened in Philemon's life is, is Paul, before he was imprisoned, Paul uh, met Philemon, and guess what happened when Paul met Philemon? Philemon gets saved. And Paul meets Onesimus when he is in prison somehow, and guess what happens when Onesimus meets Paul? He gets saved. I mean, the Lord is just using Paul to save people. Now you've got this broken relationship and two Christians. So what Paul's going to try and do in this letter is say, I want this restored because Christians shouldn't have broken relationships. And I want this mended and I want this restored. And so in order to do that, Paul is going to go into details, but what Paul first does is gives Philemon the foundation that he needs in order for this relationship to be restored. You see, Philemon needs to remember a few things before he can restore this relationship. And the first thing that Philemon needs to remember is this. Philemon needs to remember his identity. If this relationship has any chance of being restored between Philemon and Onesimus, then Philemon as a Christian needs to remember his identity. And that's where Paul starts in verses 1 to 3. He starts by revealing identities. 
He begins, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Timothy, our brother. Philemon, a beloved fellow worker. Ephaia, our sister. And Archippus, our fellow soldier. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I begin reading books in the Bible, or I begin reading books, especially ones that I've seen already or read already, sometimes you kind of cheat a little bit in your reading. It's kind of like when you get to numbers and you have all these names, who actually reads the names? I cheat when I'm reading through numbers. I kind of try and pronounce it, but I I don't really know how to pronounce all the names. Or the genealogy, you get to the genealogies and you kind of go, oh, I'll just skip my finger a little quicker here. That's okay. God's not going to strike you down because <laughs> you skip a little bit. That's fine. It's not like, it's not, your Bible reading is not a test. God's not watching you saying, oh, is he going to fail now or not? It's not a test. And so what happens to us sometimes as we read the letters is we see that little greeting at the start and we kind of skip it and we move on quite quickly. But the point that Paul is making here is quite significant in this letter. It's not like other books, you know, when you read other books. I've said this to you before. Sometimes when we read other books, we'll skip the forward and we'll skip the preface and we'll just try and get into the chapters straight away. But what often happens is we miss some key information that we need for the book if we skip those parts. And that's the same with all of Paul's letters. You miss some key information if you skip this part. And what Paul is doing is trying to build a foundation again for a restored relationship, which means you need to know your identity. If we as Christians are going to have restored relationships, we need to remember who we are. And Paul writes, saying, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. That's who Paul is. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. You say, what's so unique about that? Well, what's so unique about that is mostly when Paul writes all his letters, he wrote 13 letters, and mostly when he writes his letters, he addresses himself as an apostle, so he lines himself up as one who has authority. There are four letters where he doesn't address himself as an apostle. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and Philippians. 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, he doesn't give himself a title, probably because of familiarity. And Philippians, he calls himself a servant, which is so, so significant for Philippians. And this is the first letter where Paul begins by addressing himself as a prisoner. And you say, well, that's fine. That's because he's in prison, except for this fact. He wrote four letters when he was in prison. And this is the only one where Paul says, Paul, a prisoner. And if this is the only letter that Paul begins by saying, Paul, a prisoner, you as a Bible reader have got to ask the question, why? Why does Paul call himself a prisoner? The first reason I think Paul calls himself a prisoner in this letter is because Paul is going to ask Philemon to accept who? His slave. Paul is going to ask Philemon to forgive his slave. So when Paul is writing this letter, he is the Apostle Paul. Philemon knows him. In verse 19 of this letter, we we think that Paul had a significant part in Philemon's salvation story. So Philemon knows he's an apostle, but when Paul writes this letter, he identifies himself as a prisoner. In other words, it's kind of like Paul is saying this. 
if you are going to read this letter from a prisoner, I want you to be ready to accept a slave. Paul is intentionally bringing himself into a low position so that Philemon might read it and accept Onesimus' low position. Now, what is interesting about Paul is he says, Paul, a prisoner for who? Christ Jesus. You think Paul would say, Paul, a prisoner of Caesar, because that's who he is. But with Paul, wherever he is or whatever is happening to him, his identity never, ever changes. No matter what is happening to Paul, he always hones in on that identity. Paul is not just a prisoner. Paul is not just a low life. Whenever anything happens to Paul, it is in Christ. I am here for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the way Paul was in all his imprisonments. When, when um, the church of Philippi was founded, it says that before the earthquake happened in the, in the, in the, prison, in the prison guard where Paul and, and Silas were, guess what they were doing in chains? It tells us, I think it's in Acts 16, it tells us this, Paul and Silas were doing what in prison? They were singing and praying. When Paul is in chains... He sings, he prays, and he writes. He also preaches, because at the end of Philippians, we are told that, that the imperial guard gets saved. So when Paul is in a difficult situation, a hard situation in his life, he always remembers and never forgets who he is. That's so important for us in our lives, that wherever God places you, even if it is in the most difficult of situations, Christian, never forget who you are. Almost of the gospel. There's only one time he uses it in a different way, but all of the other times he uses it, it's kind of technically as a minister of the gospel. And this is who Philemon is. And what Paul wants to write to him is, is say to him in this way, I want you to remember, I don't hate you because of this. You're beloved and you're my co-worker, you're a minister. And in this broken relationship, you need to remember who you are. And he addresses other people, Aphia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier. And most think, and I happen to agree, that this is probably, Aphia is probably his wife, and Archippus is probably his son. Because they're addressed soon after him, Arphia, a sister, Archippus, a fellow soldier, and what? The church in your house. So what this means for this individual letter is not only is it written to Philemon, but it's like someone writing me a letter in which they want me to change, and they say to Shane, Luana, his lovely wife, and his children, and to all his church. Now I want Shane to have a restored relationship. What does that do for Philemon? That gives him some accountability, doesn't it? I'm going to write this letter to you, but I want your wife to hear it, I want your son to hear it, and I want your church to hear it. And when they all hear it, you are not going to have a leg to stand on, my friend. <laughs> and this is what happens. And we see things of Philemon's identity. Not only is he a beloved fellow worker, but what does he do with his house? He opens up his house to the church. 
This is where the church met, in his home, which probably means he's quite well off and having the slaves and whatever that he had, but also that he's ready to open up his home. This guy is a Christian minister. He is a beloved Christian minister. He is one who opens up his home to all these people. And yet what Paul is saying is this, I want you to open back up your home to one more person. You're going to feel like he's wronged you. He's probably stolen for you from you. You're going to feel like when he comes back that you want to close the door on him. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up your home to him. Whenever we are in a broken relationship, Christians, we must remember who we are. Do you know when you get angry and you're in a fight and all you see is red? You can't see anything else. That's the expression that we use for just being really angry. All you see when you're in the fight or in the argument is anger. That's all you see. In a broken relationship, all you see sometimes is their sin and not yours. And what happens when we're in those broken relationships is that we forget who we are. We kind of put Christianity to the side for a second and we say, well, hold on a minute. You don't know who this person is. I'm going to fight with them and I'm going to hate them. Well, no, Christian, we're not allowed to do that. We can't put off Christianity and put on Christianity whenever we like. We are always in Christ. And so that affects all our relationships. And so that's the foundation that we need if any relationship is ever going to be restored, that we need to remember our identity is always in Christ. That's the first thing that we need to remember in our broken relationships. The second thing that we need to remember is our love. Our love. Listen to what Paul writes in verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. It amazes me when Paul is in prison, first, that he sings. That's what we're told in Acts 16. Second, that he prays. Third, that he thinks of all these people and writes all these letters in the first place. And fourth, what really gets at me is whenever he is in prison, Paul gives thanks. When I'm in prison, I'm going to give out. I'm not giving thanks. In fact, sometimes when I'm comfortable in my home, I give out more than I give thanks. Does that happen to you? I'm in a cozy home, comfortable place, comfortable situation, and yet sometimes what creeps into my life and my day is giving out rather than giving thanks, and when Paul is in pr prison, it kind of wrecks my head. He gives thanks. He gives praise to the Lord. This is always Paul's perspective. He never forgets who he is, and Paul is not perfect. He is not sinless, and yet he remains thankful because he knows who he is. But one of the main reasons that he remains thankful is this, Philemon, when I have been in prison, I've heard something about you. Rumor has got around about you, Philemon. I've heard about your love. Rumors have got around, even to me when I'm in prison, 
that you are still loving. You see, he's setting him up. You know that, right? You're a very loving person. And if you're a very loving person, and he's going, yeah, like he's reading the letter. He's like, yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, I love the saints. I love all the church. Do you know what Paul is doing? He's setting him up. You love Jesus. You love the saints. Philemon, there's one more guy you need to love. Now, as this is being read out in the church, and probably to Philemon himself, he's probably not twigged yet. But this is what Paul commends him for, his love. His love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Philemon would have been part of the church at Colossae. They probably meet in his home. And he would have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ as written in the book of Colossians. All things were made by Him and for Him and through Him, and He sustains all things. This is our Jesus. Philemon would have heard these words in in Colossians chapter 2. It says this of Jesus and us, and you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. By canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside by nailing our sins to the cross. All of our sins, past, present, and future, nailed to the cross of Christ. And what does Philemon do? Philemon loves Christ because of that reality. All my sin is taken on the cross. And Philemon loves all the saints because of that reality. Philemon has a great love for Christ and a great love for all the saints, and he continues to pour out this praise to Philemon later in verse 7 when he says this, for I have derived, verse 7, much joy and comfort from what? Your love my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. You see, again, where is Paul? He is in prison. And sometimes what happens when you are away from home, when you're away from your home, right? We lived in, in, in Chicago for three and a half years. And when you're away from your home, what you want is your home comforts, don't you? If I could just have, for me, it was just, could I just have some real butter? That's all I wanted. Yellow, proper butter. That's all I wanted. Normal bread. Normal bread. Like, I'm sorry to offend the States people, but like normal bread doesn't last for a month outside of the fridge or whatever. It doesn't last for a month. You've got to be putting rubbish into that bread if it lasts for that long. I wanted good yellow butter and nice bread that would go off in about a day. That's what I wanted. You want the home comforts. What Paul is saying here is that when I'm in prison, Paul again, when he is in prison, he gives thanks because of his love. And also when Paul is in prison, guess what he experiences? In prison, Paul experiences joy and comfort. 
And so all the prison guards are looking at this guy going, what is wrong with him? He's singing, he's praying, he's writing, he's thanksgiving, he's joyful, he's comforted. Why is he all of these things? Paul says to Philemon, I have joy and comfort from what? Your love. I've heard of your love for the saints. In fact, Philemon, you are so good that when people meet you, Philemon, they are refreshed by you. Some people, when they meet us, they just take from us, right? They just take, 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 take. But Philemon is the type of person whose love exudes from him that whenever he meets people, they are refreshed by him. And that gives Paul joy and comfort. And what is Paul doing? He's just setting him up. He's just teeing that little ball Philemon up on the tee, and he is about to hit him about 400 yards. Your love, your identity, remember it. Do not forget it. Philemon has such a love that his love, it spreads even to the prison cells in Rome. It spreads that far. Brothers and sisters, that we might have a love that would spread that far. Many people, they gain reputations for certain things. Reputations for being good at something. Reputations for being bad at something. May we have a reputation of love. May that exude from us individually. That when people know us, when people remember us, they, they won't see much. That is my prayer for me. I don't really want to leave that much of a legacy but I would love, I would love if when people think of me in, you know, 50 years, if I'm even remembered that long, if I'm even remembered that long, I want people to remember this. That guy loved Jesus, and that guy loved the church. That's what you want to be remembered for. When you die, when you go to heaven, that's the legacy you want to leave, that you love Jesus and you loved his church. Keep it simple. Christianity doesn't have to be complicated. Just walk a simple life, love Jesus, love his church, and follow him. So if we're going to have restored relationships, we need to remember our identity, who we are. We don't lose that. We need to remember our love, your love. We don't lose that. And the last thing we need to remember is our faith, our faith. See what he says in verse 5. He, he says in verse 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your faith, of your love, and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for the saints. So there's two things he hears about. He hears about his love, and he hears about his faith toward who? Toward the Lord Jesus. That is a really good way of phrasing what faith is. That faith is directional. That faith is towards something. That faith isn't within ourselves. Faith is directed outside of ourselves. We traveled up the north, up to the north the other day to these, uh, to this place um, that's called the Dark Hedges. Right? These these trees, apparently from the Game of Thrones or whatever. These you've got this road that happens, and then you've got these tree trunks that come over the road, and they kind of mesh together. It looks absolutely amazing and beautiful. 
And so we, we were walking through that as we visited the north. And what Dahlia did, there was one tree that was broken, and you just had a, a tree stump that went kind of high up to about here maybe. And Dahlia climbed up to the top of that. She climbed up to the top of that, and when she climbed up to the top of that, she smiled at me and I smiled at her. Now, as a good father, you're not going to say, go for it, love. You're not going to leave her on her own. You're going to walk up to her, aren't you? And hold out your hands toward her. And that's exactly what I did. Because she asked me this question, Daddy, will you catch me? And when Daddy hears those words, will you catch me? Daddy's going to say yes, of course. So what I did was I put out my hands like this, and I told her, jump, I will catch you. And she jumped, and I caught her, and I put her down. What was she trusting in? Was she believing and trusting in her own ability to be caught? I am great at being caught. I am so good at being caught. I actually believe in myself that I will jump well enough and I believe in myself that I'll curl up in a ball or hold up my hands more properly enough so it will be my faith that will get me caught in myself. No. What was she trusting in and believing in? Her faith, her trust, her belief, it had a direction. It was toward her daddy. Why? Because she had seen her daddy being faithful in the past. Can you imagine if I dropped her every single time, the last time I asked her to jump, I dropped her about 20 times. Can you imagine that? If I never caught her before, never caught her, and I went up to her and I said, I'll catch you, what's she going to do? There's no way she's going to jump. Why? Because I haven't proved myself to be faithful. Her faith doesn't have a direction because I haven't shown that. What's she doing? She's trusting in daddy's past actions, and she's trusting in daddy's words. I will catch you, and I've proved my faithfulness, and I'm asking you to trust me. All pictures, they fail in some degree. But this is what the Lord Jesus is asking us to do. Put our total trust in Him. Let me ask you this. Has the Lord Jesus proved faithful in your life? Has He? And say yes or no. Has the Lord Jesus proved faithful in your life? Has He caught you before? Will He catch you again? Absolutely. You can put your total faith and dependence upon Him. This is what faith is. And if this morning you find yourself in a place where you have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus totally and completely, I would ask you this morning to come to Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Trust in Him completely and He will save you and He, He will never fail. This is the faith that Philemon has. He is a faith toward Christ Jesus. And that faith that he has is the foundation that will help him to restore his relationship with Onesimus because, why? Because the Lord Jesus has restored Philemon's relationship toward God. It is his faith that is going to keep this foundation for that relationship. And he mentions faith again one more time in verse 6. 
He says this, and I pray that the sharing of whose faith? Your faith. So he's speaking of your love, now he's speaking of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. What else is Paul praying? He's not just praying giving thanks, he is praying that the sharing of his faith may become effective so that he might know every good thing that he has in Christ. Now when I used to read this, I read this as evangelism. I read this as, if you are sharing your faith, as you share your faith and experience that sharing of your faith in evangelism, then you will gain a better knowledge for all that you have in Christ Jesus, and that will be brilliant. And I believe that is actually true. I don't believe that's not true. I I think that is true. As you share your faith, you will begin to know all of the good things that you have in Christ Jesus. But this is not the sharing of the faith that he's talking about. The sharing, that word sharing, is this idea of koinonia or partnering, sharing, fellowship. The sharing of your faith may become effective so that you will have a knowledge of every good thing. Here's what he's saying to him. I want you to continue to share your life and to have fellowship, have koinonia with your brothers and sisters in Christ Continue sharing your home, continue sharing your faith, and as you do that, you will become more aware of what you have in Christ Jesus. That's exactly, brothers and sisters, that's exactly what happens to us when we share in fellowship. I love singing in Passage Baptist Church. I love it. I love singing in this church. I don't think we're going to be the biggest church in this land, but the Lord help us, we're going to be the loudest. We are. And if it's not the kids going to be the loudest, it's going to be us singing and being the loudest. And I praise God for that. And as we sing, do you know what happens? Here's what happens. We are sharing in fellowship. Christ, our hope in life and death, we're not only singing to God, we're sharing that with one another so that as we sing, we're saying, yeah, I agree with that, that is true. We're fellowshipping. Right now, do you know what we're doing? We're fellowshipping. Right now, I am preaching and you are sharing in the hearing of the Word. This is fellowship. Fellowship isn't just going to the cinema. In fact, that's the opposite of it. Fellowship is actually coming in together and taking part in what we have right now. This is fellowship. When we take of the Lord's table, in a a couple of minutes when I finally finish, when we take of the Lord's table, here's what we're doing. We're sharing in fellowship together. We're remembering that Jesus Christ died for us. It's a corporate reality, not an individual reality. This is why I don't believe, I don't believe that you should take the bread and the cup on your own. I actually don't believe that theologically. I don't think it makes any sense because it's made for us to take it together. You being of the one body, take of the one bread and the the one cup, this reality of of fellowship that we are to have. And so again, do do you know what Paul is doing? He's taking that little ball, Philemon. He's setting him up quite nicely on the tee and he's going to hit him about 500 yards. Do you know what he's doing? He's saying, you share in this fellowship with all the other saints. You share in that fellowship that you have with them. 
when you share in that fellowship that you have with all the saints, you grow in your knowledge for what you have in Christ Jesus. You become more aware of every good thing that you have in Christ Jesus. And then he's going to say to Philemon in the rest of the letter, Philemon, I want you to do one more good thing. I want you to show me your identity. I want you to show me your love. I want you to show me your faith one more time for this slave who messed up. When people mess up in our lives, sometimes we are tempted, we are tempted to make them pay for it. I'm going to make you earn my forgiveness. I'm not going to give that for free. You've got to earn it. And we don't say we're doing this because we're all, you know, Christians and whatever, or some of us are. We don't say that we're doing this, but sometimes we do this in our relationships. Maybe we are husband or your wife or your friend or your brother or your sister. They've hurt you. They've harmed you. And you're just going to hold back that forgiveness just, just a little bit more because they need to do more to earn that back. No, brothers and sisters, no. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not what we're called to. Jesus didn't ask us to do anything extra for our salvation. He didn't say do a dance, do a jig, do anything else. It was free. Forgiveness in Christ Jesus was free. And so, brothers and sisters, we should freely, freely give it to others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word that you have given to Philemon. And Lord, by extension to us, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to remember this foundation that we have in Christ Jesus. That you'd help us to remember our love, help us to remember our faith, and help us to be quick to forgive and slow to anger. Lord Jesus, thank you for the salvation you have given us and the forgiveness we have in you. In your name, amen.